This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for October 20th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. The message is by Father Ron Baird. This Gospel lesson, we have the story of the unjust judge. Interesting parable, isn't it? An unjust judge. Just what you want, a crooked judge. So, you run into him before? <laughs> In this story, Jesus talks about a widow who was seeking justice, but this judge would have nothing to do with her because she didn't really have anything to offer him anyway. And so, um, he just ignored her, refused to hear her case, refused to have anything to do with it. And, and she was determined. So it says that she nagged him day and night to get what she wants. And finally, the judge says, well... I don't really care about this widow, but she is driving me insane. And so I'm going to give her what she wants just to get her off my back. And then Jesus says, will not your father in heaven do much more for you? Now, that's an interesting way to look at it. Is, it. is Jesus telling us that we should nag God day and night until he finally gives us what we want? Well, probably not. <laughs> um, what he's really saying is that if a crooked judge can be persuaded to do what's right. What about God who already is good? Do you really have to persuade him to do what's right? Or would he not already be doing what is right? And the real key to the parable is this final saying in there. He says, when the Son of Man returns to earth, will he find faith? You see, that's the issue about the prayers, will he find faith? Will we trust God? Because that's really the, the heart of prayer, is trust. It's not about you know, convincing or exhorting or, or somehow or other nagging. You know, anybody who's been married for very long knows that that doesn't work. I mean, because you can nag all you want to, it won't change your behavior. It might change it in the short term, but it won't change it in the long term. So, it's not about our persistence. It's not even about how hard we pray. One of the things that's always astounded me was when, when people talk about, you just got to pray harder. What does praying harder look like? Do you ever think that? If you squint your eyes while you're praying, does that make it, I mean, does that make it happen? And you know, you know, you need to pray longer. I had a priest once tell me, you know, that, that, you know, he thought that all priests should pray a minimum of an hour a day. I said, an hour a day? And they said, yes, you should be spend an, isolate an hour a day to do nothing but be in prayer. And they said, don't you do that? And I said, well, no, not really. Well, aren't you a believer? Well, I said, yeah, but Paul said to pray without ceasing, so I didn't really think an hour was enough. Um, <laughs> um, because what prayer really is at its heart is, is opening yourself up to God, is being in communication with Him, being in contact with Him. You know, being open to receive whatever it is he wishes to, to impart to you and, and to offer up who you are and what your feelings are to him. And it really isn't about how hard you do it or how long you do it. It's about what's your motivation? Why are you doing it? Do you do it because you trust him? Trust him to do whatever is right? And that's really where the rub is. Is that all too often we have trouble with that trust thing. 
particularly with a God that we can't see. You know, it gets very, very hard for us. And so when we don't trust God, what do we do? Well, we try to take things on ourselves. You know, we try to fix it. You know, don't worry about it, God, I'll handle it. Well, the bad part is that sometimes it works uh, for the short run, usually not for the long run. You know, or, or we sometimes if we prayed and prayed and prayed and, you know, we don't get what we prayed for, we think, well, it's because I haven't prayed long enough or hard enough or it's because I have not been good enough or God doesn't like me or doesn't want me to have it. Or, or we blame God and just say, well, he's not even there. He doesn't even listen. How can there be a God if he doesn't even hear my prayer? And we associate hearing with doing, which is always interesting to me, but because um, I've heard a lot of things in my life I wouldn't do. So why we would think God would be different is beyond me. But, but, you know, we end up sort of trying to think that somehow or other because we send up a request to God that he is there to fill our order. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but God doesn't fill orders. That's not his job. You know, and he, he's polite enough not to say it's not in my job description. But he's not polite enough to tell you he's not going to do it. He just goes, oh, whatever. <laughs> Go ahead. And it's a good thing that he does that, by the way, because he sees the the big picture, you know, the, the infinite picture, whereas we only see a very small, minute part of it. And a lot of times we think that God doesn't answer our prayer because we're not cured of a disease or we have a problem or our finances don't get better or our relationships don't get better. Why doesn't God answer my prayer and do this? And what we don't realize is that God might well be answering your prayer. He might be telling you, that's not really good for you, for me to do what you're telling me to do. You know, when I was three years old, if my mother had said to me, what would you like to have for dinner every day this week? I would have said, a Hershey bar and a Coke. I loved Hershey bars. I hadn't discovered Reese's peanut butter cups yet. That came later. <laughs> now, does that seem unusual to you? I mean, if you're three years old, of course you want stuff like that. I mean, you always want the good stuff. And, and if she had said to me instead, no, I think you should have broccoli, then I probably would have gone, yuck! <laughs> I don't want broccoli. I mean, there's a big difference between Hershey bar and broccoli. I don't know if y'all have noticed that or not. And, and I wouldn't want it. Now, why would I want the Hershey bar instead of the broccoli? That tastes good to me. I like it. But, but which one's better for me? The broccoli. And all too often, that's exactly the way we are with God. We approach God to say, here's what I want. Fill it. But God sees the consequences of what filling our prayer would be. And not only the consequences, immediate consequences, but what the consequences of the consequences would be. And what the consequences of those consequences would be ad infinitum. And so he might well say, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, that, that's just not a good idea. You know, I, I'd like to give that to you. It's not that I begrudge you having that. It's just not good for you. You know, and so you need to do some other stuff first before you'd ever be ready for that. And that's what trust is really about. It's about looking at God and believing that he has our best interest at heart and saying, whatever it is that I'm asking for, whatever it is I'm praying for, 
It's not about whether or not I get what I want. It's about whether God gets what he wants. That's what Jesus did when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you think about it. When he was praying, he said, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Which, quite honestly, I thought was a very mild way of putting it. I mean, I would have been much more stringent than that. And he, but then he said, but not my will, but thy will be done. Because he knew that God's will was more important than his will. He knew that God was seeing the big picture. And do you think it was pleasant that he didn't take the cup away from him? But what happened? Because he didn't. Yeah, he saved the world. He conquered death. You know, that's the big picture. And so a lot of times when we see that we're suffering and all, we want God to relieve our suffering, we don't really bother to think about what would happen. I mean, quite honestly, you know, every time I go to the doctor for a physical, he says, you know, you could stand to lose a few pounds, which I always like because I'm like, really? <sighs> I've gone to this guy for 20 years. He's been telling me this for 20 years. And he says, yeah, you'd probably be healthier if you'd lose a few pounds. And I go, that's good. How do I do that? And so then he goes through his usual litany of exercise and eating right and stuff like that. And, and it goes in one ear and out the other generally um, because I think it's a good idea. I just don't want to do it. Um, and then I say, I always tell him the same thing. I always say, I'm waiting for you guys to invent that pill that will regulate my metabolism so it will burn it all off and it won't harm me. He says, whoever invents that's going to be a very, very wealthy man. <laughs> I will guarantee you. But often that's the way we are with God. We just want what we want. And we don't often get it because we're not asking. You know, Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, I will give it to you. Well, we seem to forget the in my name part. Or if we remember it, we seem to think it's a formula. So I say, in Jesus Christ our Lord, and that means I get it. Well, it's not a formula. It means if you are in Christ, if you are completely subservient to God as he was subservient to God, and you ask for something, you will get it because you'll be asking for what God wants for you. That's the trick, is to turn it around. And it all hinges on that last phrase in that passage, which is about, will there be faith? Will there be trust? Will you trust in God? Now, for a lot of us, that's really hard. And that's why Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, told him, to make sure that he read the scriptures regularly, that he held on to the faith that had been handed to him, that he reads the scriptures. He tells him that all of it has been God-breathed. Isn't that a great phrase? God-breathed. Not God-written, handwritten, but God-breathed. It was poured out from the Spirit of God itself. And it's good to, to show yourself, that's what reproof means, is to prove it to yourself that these things work. For correction, if you're in error. For rebuke, if the correction doesn't work. For exhortation and encouragement. All of those things are there in Scripture. That's why it's so vital that we really get into the Word you know, on a regular basis. Not because somehow or other God gives you more points. Oh, they read the Bible for an hour today. I'm going to give them 15 points for that. They're going to get a better place. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. But what happens is that the more you read it, the more familiar you become with it. You begin to know the stories, and the stories become you. They become part of your history and part of who you are. And by knowing those stories, you begin to know the very nature of God, what He is like, and what He wants. And when you see those stories, you can really begin to have faith in Him. 
you can really begin to trust him. Because you see, over and over again, throughout the history of the world, there have been times when people thought they'd, God had abandoned them. But in reality, he hadn't. He had, it was just not the opportune time. And that's the thing about trusting, isn't it? Is that it's not that God doesn't want good for us. Paul says all things work for good to them that love the Lord. He doesn't say all things work for the way they want it to them that love the Lord. Because the way it's going to come to you is in God's time, not in our time. Now, if God's time and our time coincides, that's always nice. But they're not necessarily the same thing. And honestly, who would you rather trust about when things should be done, God or you? I mean, he's the one who knows. I mean, you don't know what that decision will make, you know, what, what it will cause to happen, but he knows. He knows how everything turns out. What better way but to put our hands, put our, our hearts into his hands and his care? What better way than to make a decision that when we pray, it's not about how hard we pray or how long we pray. It's really about what comes out of our heart. Are we will, really willing to say, your will be done? Lord, I'd really like it if you'd help me win the lottery. But your will be done because you know what would happen if I did. Lord, I'd really like it if you'd cure me of this disease that I have. But your will be done because you know what would happen if, 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 it, if you did. If in everything that we do, we offer it up to God and give him the, the, the authority over it, then we are trusting him. And it is in then and only then that we truly can call him Lord. Because he's either the Lord of our life or he's not. You can't be sort of a Lord. Although a lot of us would like to have a sort of a Lord. Sort of a Lord. I'd like to have a sort of a Lord when I need one. Kind of like you know, teenagers would like to have a parent when they need one. Not when they don't. But it doesn't work that way. The truth is, is that God loves us so much that he wants good for us and he knows that nothing will ever separate us from him. That he will bring us into his heavenly kingdom where there won't be any more sin or sorrow or crying or weeping or gnashing of teeth. None of those things. There will only be joy and abundant life. But that abundant life comes with a price. And the price is trust. To believe that he has our best interests at heart. No matter what comes, I can always trust in God. When we begin to live out our lives that way, then we find peace in the midst of the storm. Then we find hope in the midst of hopelessness. Then we find a light that shines in the darkness. And you see those themes repeated over and over and over again throughout the scriptures of a God who enters into human history to bring us to his heavenly home. The question for you and me is, will we trust him? Will we believe that our lives are in his hand. When you leave here today, will you believe that your time, your energy, your life, your wealth, everything that you are and have are in his hands and say, Lord, your will be done because that is the narrow way that leads to heaven. Amen. You are just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Little Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. 
Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.